Our separated fortune shall keep us both the safer. Where we are, there's daggers in men's smiles. The near in blood, the nearer bloody. Shannon Camp. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 5, There's Daggers in Men's Smiles. Robert extends his power further than ever before and exiles a disloyal Cyrus. Eleanor undertakes a covert mission. Liam is reunited with Catherine. One of the better titles, I think, of the entire series. That's a catchy title. It sounds sexy. It sounds dangerous. Does the episode deliver? Time will tell. But highly controversial because dear listeners slash dear Zachary. Don't know. Oh, you don't want to make that reference. That is far too dark. I was going to say, dear listeners, that's the first non-Hamlet title we've had, I believe. I think so. Sorry, if I sound a little bit weird, it's because Zach and I are shackled together by a pair of earbuds (laughs) like we're in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I can hear my own voice more than anything in the world. I don't know if they're going to continue to to use non-Hamlet titles. I have not looked up future titles, or if I did, I didn't see what play they were from. But I guess we should, uh, before we go any farther... No, I have more commentary on this issue. Why Macbeth? Why not... Like any other of the tragedies, but in particular Richard III, it feels like they've been doing way more stuff that's in that vein. I think it makes more sense, but I guess Macbeth is at least still about someone making a mad power grab. (laughs) All I can say is if they try to make Helena a Lady Macbeth, no one's going to buy it. To introduce our lovely guest... Slash, uh, you know, the call is coming from inside the house. He produces this podcast. You wouldn't be able to listen to any of it if not for this angel man. And that's our friend, Darren Husted. Hello. Um, do you know what? I have looked up all the titles for the remaining episodes, and I don't want to spoil anything, but the title for the last episode pretty much gives away everything that's going to happen in the finale. Oh, that's classic Just from the Royals. quote that they've picked, yeah. So but at yeah, the that's... same time, it could be a complete misdirect. I'm, I'm actually slightly surprised there were no stabbings in this episode, because... I would have assumed there's daggers in... Based on how cleverly they use these naming conventions... We've been waiting for four years for someone to get stabbed from behind a curtain Polonius style, and they have never delivered. In spite of everything, in spite of bubble boys and clones and sex cages and little girls who can bend space and time, we've never gotten one lousy curtain stabbing. I should say as well, there's there's unfortunately no Sarah Alice in this episode. And I missed her, and I noticed that she wasn't there. That is because... It's growing dark in this timeline. The world is becoming darker. And God, the child God, has abandoned our characters. Robert used a little known decree where he can just say he's God now. And he became God. (laughs) There's this loophole where he can declare himself God and be granted all the powers of a God. Uh, That's a bit of... uh, But he just cares about the people. (laughs) A bit of foreshadowing. um, But as you may remember, and Darren, I think Shannon and I are both glad that you survived... The incredibly murderous blackout that swept England recently. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, I'm glad that I hope I hope nobody near you was perished in the unbelievable anarchy that spiraled out from this one night blackout. Yeah, I mean I'm like a hundred miles away from London, so you know the the mania was. The contained zombies merely. couldn't catch you out there. No, they, they, they were only confined to South London, uh, which is of course the worst place in, in the entire of this country. Um, Possibly the world, I think. Yeah. It's connected to North London by one bridge, and there are no commonalities (laughs) between the two separate cities? Yeah. Um, It's like East and West Berlin. So last episode ended with the blackout ending, but also kind of not, because (laughs) apparently the blackout's still going on, but not at the palace? Um, Anyway, I guess, yeah, I mean, all our characters are 
more or less gotten over the blackout. It seems like everybody's dealing with the aftermath of it, even though it's also still kind of going on. <laughs> um, but after one night of blackouts, people are missing, uh, parents missing. The UK has is like DEFCON, whichever the high one is. <laughs> I mean, not just people are missing, people have died. Characters visit a morgue to identify a they body oh, at a certain yeah. that point was, That in was this possibly episode. my favorite thing in the entire episode. Was this, this the, the episode, huge... We had to rewind yeah, it. Yeah, this huge yeah. misdirect. And I was just like, oh, they... Sh-. When when they were like, it's not the body, I was like, damn, they, sh- they should have... Oh, it was too... It was Why? Too, it was That's too such great. a minor character. <laughs> This show has never actually killed anyone. Ted Price and King Simon are coming back this season. Guys, I think I, I think I know what we're closing in on starting to talk about, so let's just do it. The episode opens with William surveying what remains of London. <laughs> the cars, wreckage. cars overturned on fire. Um, there's just debris in the streets and shattered windows, and he comes across Catherine's uh, father's pub. Goes inside absolutely wrecked. Again, <laughs> one night of blackouts and the entire street, everything is like, it's like, uh, it's like the purge. It's after, it's what Gotham looks like after three months of Bane and the Dark Knight Rises. That's what happened to London in the first night of the blackout. I was so excited just to say the purge that my voice broke, but it really, that's where we're at. And my favorite thing is that they have um, a red telephone box, of course. Uh, those don't actually exist anymore. They are only kept for like tourist purposes in, in certain parts of London. But someone has pulled the door off of this telephone box. <laughs> and these telephone boxes are cast iron. And they are, they're like half a ton. That door would be almost impossible to get off unless you like put some chains on the back of a, like <laughs> now, a van. And like really like pulled at it. It just, this it is just wouldn't like fall pulling off. pulling down a Saddam Hussein statue. Yeah. They were just, they were like so indestructible. That was the whole point of those telephone boxes was nothing could break them. I recall in maybe the first season... You were on an episode and raised a similar complaint because a character drove through one of those yeah. telephone boxes. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was made out like of wood. Was, yeah, it collapsed like it was nothing. Um, yeah. some... The telephone boxes in this universe are a metaphor <laughs> for how structurally sound the democracy of Britain is, and they are very feeble <laughs> in both cases. But I mean, I saw, I, like, that was like the first thing I noticed. But also, on the, on the previously on, they like called back to the whole plaque dedication you know this pub's been open 500 years just to set it up so that when liam picked up the plaque you began oh it's that plaque from that episode that i barely remembered for 30 seconds they spoiled the entire episode in the previously on like we watched the previously on and we're like this is what's going to happen this episode, <laughs> with the exception of the big Robert plotline. But since we're already on the topic of the pub, um, let's get all this Liam and Catherine nonsense yeah, out of the way. Let's consider it a very fatty uh, appetizer. It does tie into the main plot at the end. We can talk about that, but let's just get the setup. Catherine, uh, when he goes into the pub, it's ruined. The plaque <laughs> is there, the the telltale plaque. Um <laughs> And uh, Liam is devastated at how far his country has fallen when who should come up behind him with a cricket bat ready to bring him down Shaun of the Dead style. But Catherine herself, not in America. (laughs) And I was rooting for her to kill him. But she didn't. (laughs) And she comes in. I mean, I have to say this. It is. It's a it's a wonderfully shot because. As as Liam is looking at the plaque, we just see this arm come into frame with this cricket bat. And why would she walk like that? Why would she like walk? I don't know, crab like in like toward. I don't know. It's just a weird weird thing. But it's it's a really clever kind of shot because you just get this cricket bat in his hand. And you know, if you hadn't already seen the previously on m- mere seconds before, you'd be thinking, oh. Who is that with a cricket bat about to brain our least favorite character on this show? But no, you already know it's going to be Catherine. Well, they did have one good trick up their sleeve, and I don't mean the twist about their dad. Because uh, they did not reveal in the previously on, at least in my opinion, that Angie would show up. No, but she didn't. did, and I yeah. was absolutely thrilled to see her. She is such a much more charismatic actress uh, than, than Catherine, in my opinion. 
And just a more fun character. The show kind of trades in these, like, noble, upper-class girls who are like, I don't care that you're a prince. I just want you for who you are inside and because you love the people. Like, pretty much every female love interest on the show fits into this role. And so Angie is, like, openly a little bit of a starfucker, and I love her for it. And I, I do appreciate how this season of the show does seem like a farewell to her just because they're bringing back Every conceivable character. Probably not Ophelia, but everybody else. I want to see A-Shock. That would be like uh, all the real Royals fans finish their drinks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he would. At this point, if the country was in such kind of dire straits, you would expect he would have at least reached out to Liam to find out what's going on. Or been shot by multiple arrows in the course (laughs) of this blackout. That's how they should have brought him back. Just A-Shock dead in the street, 40 arrows sticking out of him. But the Boromir thing is, style. he is the sort of character they would kill off because he's one of their very disposable people of color characters, yeah. which brings me to what I was going to say. I bet he left the show because he got better offers as an actor and his part in the Royals was honestly kind of insulting and shallow. Well, that's very possible. That's why many people have left, such as Marcus. Um, but regardless, let's continue on. Catherine is distraught not only because her pub is in shambles, but because her father is missing. And William... Presumed dead. uh, Liam, I don't know why I said William, Liam uh, decides he's going to use all of the power he has at his disposal, namely the one competent slash smart character on the show, James Hill, to track down her father. The actor plays Liam is named William... And he's incredibly dead-eyed in this episode. I mean, like he's on downers. We've always kind of sung this actor's praises, even when he was saddled with pretty clunky material. But this episode, I don't know if he was trying to do like a Jasper-style brooding thing, but even his scenes with Catherine, he just seemed so incredibly like cold and one note. I'm just throwing that out there because we've always praised his warmth and humor in the past yeah yeah he like especially like the stuff with angie like she was like really kind of like animated and and he was just standing there just like and i was like what's going on with him like why like why he's in like it's almost like he didn't seem to know who angie was and i was like what, what like he seemed completely mystified in every scene and even when when they do the reveal of the body and he's hugging um there's like one shot where he's he's hugging um, uh, Catherine, Catherine, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just on his face, and it looks like he's like, like about to kill her. So, like it was a really weird shot, and I was like, "Are they trying to say something here? What's going on?" Yeah, between this and his veiny arms, he had like a weird Jason <laughs> Statham but less charismatic thing going on in what should have been his most romantic and swoony episode. But it seems like lately he's either clenched-jawed, staring straight ahead, or clenched-jawed, staring straight ahead, and weeping. I think, I think, and I think the idea is, he implies at the end of the episode that he feels the ship with Catherine has already sailed prior to this. He didn't even know she was in America. She came back without telling him, for one thing. Yeah. Or didn't know she was in London, I should say. Can you blame her? Um, and he's also living down the fact that he now believes that he was completely mistaken about Robert killing his father. Even though there's arguably more evidence than ever that his dumb theory was right because of... We'll get to it. We'll get to <laughs> yeah. the, mo- the biggest part of the episode, which... If you watched this episode, which if you've listened to this podcast, I'm guessing you did, you already know, and this is like tantric podcasting as we lead up to the big finish. Especially bizarre because that moment happens halfway through the episode and it really should be the end of the episode. (laughs) Because it's the biggest thing that happens in this episode by a mile. But But romance. So anyway, (laughs) what is there to say, folks? No one likes Liam and Catherine, right? Uh, I mean, Ka- Catherine doesn't like Liam. This is the thing. He's returned and, you know, he's he's apologizing for how he behaved and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, you know, the only reason she seems to tolerate him is because her father is missing and he says he can help find him. And so that's the only reason she see like he, she seems to be staying with him Um you know, not, you know, relationship or anything, but just physically just staying with him so that she can get information from him. She doesn't seem yeah. to be like, you know, into the idea of getting back together. Um, and it's only like a pep talk from Angie that kind of changes Liam's mind. 
Um, but you know, we don't really see anything from Catherine for most no. of the ep- most of the episode yeah. on that. Classic Royals, Angie is a great character who seems to have some depth. So naturally, her only job on the show is to talk to other characters about the relationships with each other that don't include her in any way. God forbid she be allowed to be, you know, a part of a plot. She can, like, talk to other people about their emotions, though. It's like there's a joke in Sarah Silverman's book where she talks about always playing the funny best friend and her lines be like, but you're a lawyer and he loves you. (laughs) (laughs) Like just pure exposition. That is unfortunately what Angie is relegated to. She talks Liam into helping them. He tracks down a body at the morgue. James Hill says that they think they may have identified a body that could be her father. Now, he says three. He says there's three John Doe's at the morgue. Oh, he does. Okay. Tasteful. Well, they, based on the way they, the fact that he doesn't know for sure if it's the father and the way they react to these bodies, whatever happened to these people was unpleasant. (laughs) That didn't (laughs) even occur to me. Because Catherine cannot look. She is immediately breaking down into tears and it is not. They were partially cannibalized by South Londoners. Of course. (laughs) You know. But. When in Rome. They go back to the pub. (laughs) Her dad just shows up and he's like, I was helping people. There's no cell reception because of the blackout. And that's why you always leave a note. That is why you always leave a note. Maybe the South Londoners ate the note, the the, <laughs> the rule-breaking ruffians that they are. Maybe. I mean, the weirdest thing is the fact that he said there was no cell reception. And I'm like, no British person would ever say the word cell reception. That's just... You'd say, you'd say your mobile wasn't working, so... Um, you know, the words of an American forced into a British actor there. Uh, completely, yeah, like, completely lost the moment for me. Not unlike the words of, uh, the words of um, an American forced into the mouth of a British actor in the case of Jasper's father as well. <laughs> the words of an Italian forced into the words of an American forced into the words of a British person. All inside a Russian nesting doll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, he just, he just reappears, but I like how... I like how he literally just delivers, like, the worst... I mean, you know, out of everything on this episode, I think that speech was literally the worst moment where he's like, I do not like you anymore. There was no self-reception. I was helping people. <laughs> local, local... He's very this. aggressive. Our you own know people. I love- and it's just like, oh... <laughs> this is terrible. And Shannon made a note that uh, were she in Catherine's shoes, she would have not told her father nearly as much as Catherine told him. He's like... You've done both me daughters wrong and blah 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 or whatever. <laughs> and he knew all about Robert and Liam both having slept with Catherine. I was like, oh no, this would <laughs> never be. Maybe it's just the, you know, Catholic in my family. I'm not sure. But uh, also British people, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but in my experience of anything, they're a little more reserved and a little less gregarious with personal details sometimes than American people. So it just, it felt very inauthentic that her dad would know all this stuff about her sex life. I mean, personally, I haven't hugged my own mother in about 10 years. You know, I like to, I like to dole the hugs out, you know, once every decade is more than enough for me. Yeah. I I mean, he seemed to know way too much. And also he like, I could get if Angie had delivered this speech and had been angry, but I, like on this character, it it just felt completely like it just it felt like it was in the wrong place, and I was just like, okay, we we get he would be angry at Liam because of the breakup and stuff, but everything else was just, especially the whole like you know when he was going on about how these were, these were friends and neighbors who smashed up this place, and I'm like, yeah, but it you know it was it was a blackout. We all know that in London, as soon as as soon as the lights go out for more than twenty minutes, people just start smashing stuff up. I mean, it's... before the invention of electricity, it was a real hellhole. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So he doesn't like him, and he's in shock. And then uh, Angie is like, "You should get back because you respect her for a person." And Robert was embarrassed by her. And Robert comes in and says. If all this animosity was about Catherine, you should fix this relationship and be back with Catherine. And it's dead eyes meets crazy eyes. And they have a little conference. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Liam has no light in his eyes. But Robert, the actor plays Robert Max Brown. He is widening his eyes so much that you can see the whites all the way around. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say there was a point in this episode. I don't know why, but to me, the entire episode seemed to be teal. 
Like every room. It's because of Robert's teal. apartments. Yeah. Robert's apartments are teal. And it seemed like they'd done that to match his eyes because there was points where his eyes matched the background. And I was like, what is going on with it? What have they done here? But yeah, I mean, it, like, I mean, at the same time, it's like this whole storyline of Catherine, you know, the whole the love triangle between the two brothers and Catherine was like 60% of the story last season. And then in one scene, Robert is like, oh, well, you know, go for it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I guess he's like, got what he really wants at this point. But <laughs> yeah. um, meanwhile, uh, we'll get back to the final bit with Liam later. But meanwhile, uh, Jasper is still getting used to it. Getting used to what? Getting used to the best part of his day being oh, the first thing that happens no, when he trying. wakes up. Oh, do you know what? Before before we get into that, because that, that was probably one of my... I knew, I knew that Shannon would have a reaction to that speech, but they do a little match cut where Liam says hi to, um, to Catherine, and then it cuts to um, Eleanor in bed saying hi as if she's responding. And it's such a weird moment because it's like... you're. Well, that implies that they're in bed together. What's going on? Sibling incest, so hot right now on TV. We've mm. talked about it before. That's true. Yeah, that was a weird cut. Yeah, um, it's, I, I don't know. And then, and then they—I mean, they quickly bring in, you know, Jasper, kind of waking up and all that kind of stuff. And but, yeah. but at the same time, for half a second, I was like, wait there, who? That's like it was just a weird moment. I don't. <laughs> I, and, and I was like, I, considering like they'd had like the shot with the cricket bat and all this kind of like it's, it's like they're thinking about the shots. So to do that match cut was just such a weird moment. Where I was, but you remember like in the early season, in the early seasons, like Ted Price would put down his phone and then Eleanor's hand would pick up a phone from a following <laughs> shot. Yeah. So it looked like Ted Price had a woman's hand or a woman <laughs> was stealing his phone. Like they've always made wacky editing choices sometimes they work out very well sometimes they're a complete garbage fire um, just to clarify by the way the thing i just said was jasper and eleanor are finally public i guess and they're laying next to each other and jasper when they wake up jasper says i'm still getting used to it and eleanor says what and he says the best part of my day being the first thing that happens when i wake up in regards to looking at her i guess um, and it's like a Liam level cheese line. And I feel like Liam and Jasper have switched roles a little bit where yeah. Liam has become hardcore broody and Jasper has become kind of romantic. The swoony lover. Yeah. He's like got that romantic swoon and they're being very public. Eleanor is distraught. She's still getting these letters from people like oh, you know, problems. You, Zach, Zach, you just skipped over the best part, which is. He, when when instead of saying like uh, Ellen is like oh no this is not the this is not the best part and then they start kissing and then the camera comes overhead and they, they start getting wrapped up in all the sheets and they start getting down to stuff just as <laughs> like the titles Sims roll woo-hooing. yeah but I was gonna say before Zach tried to move on without letting me talk about this <laughs> atrocity is like I don't want people to get the wrong idea I love romance I like rom coms I like like classic romances like from Jane Austen and stuff so I appreciate like well-crafted sentiments shared between people and you know there's something to the idea of this storyline like they're becoming public now after being so long kept secret there's an a germ of an idea there that's interesting but my issue with like the loverly speech on this show is that it's always so dramatic and very hyperbolic like when jasper said earlier this season that every moment away from eleanor hurt worse than being shot i mean it is a little bit dramatic it just rings very insincere when people do it in terms like that and they're not singing and playing the acoustic guitar i think there's <laughs> a lot of show even good shows often do this but they're i think they're pitching it towards teenagers for whom like relationships are supposed to be like the most important thing like the the jasper eleanor or buffy angel in seasons of buffy are like the most important thing that could possibly happen to a human being i can appreciate that and there are shows like riverdale that do that well we're like there are relationships between characters that make no sense but the actors have chemistry so you're like i'll watch this <laughs> But my thing with the Royals is there are no scenes that are just like these characters who are supposed to be in love building any sort of rapport that feels natural. We go from 
being barely acquainted to being like grand gestures, presence, jealousy over whoever you're with, like insane over the top speeches, we would be able to have a little bit more suspension of disbelief if they gave us a little more time making us feel like these were real people with real feelings for each other. Well, and it took yeah. a bullet to get them back together. Like, literally, Jasper had to be shot for Eleanor to go, oh, let's go public with this. <laughs> it's like, and, 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 it seems a I, bit extreme. We're also, from our perspective, um, this is true of Riverdale, too. The romantic aspects of this show and Riverdale are the most boring aspects of the show. Totally. Like, yeah. the, the plot involving consolidation of power by um, certain <laughs> folks, villains, or, like... The private prison plan that... Yeah, the Riverdale's crazy private prison plot. Like, if you're not watching Riverdale, y'all listeners need to realign yourselves. <laughs> are much more intriguing to me. So it's hard for me to have a lot of leniency for this stuff that I think is slowing down the show sometimes. I mean, then, I mean, after that, though, they move on to important stuff. Like, they do. Um, crazy cat ladies. Yes, um, she's getting letters <laughs> from cat women, a, a, a cat, a cat woman who is... An older lady who has a cat. She has one cat, you bitches. <laughs> I'm, well, anyways, this woman cannot afford a cat surgery and she's writing Eleanor about it for unknown reasons. I'm glad Luna can't hear this. You're being very callous about cat life. Uh, and she's got dozens of these letters. That they were introduced a couple episodes ago. She was reading them off Jasper's prone and broken body. <laughs> her, her own personal standing desk. Literal lab desk. Um, yeah. uh, now he has upgraded to Ottoman. <laughs> she's also frustrated because, you know, she's had to, she's trying to set up a charity. It's going to take six months and she throws all the paperwork in the air out of frustration. And I'm like, I'm sure you could do all this online. I don't think it takes six months to set up a charity. And you can online, hire people. I'm a princess. I'll make Willow, my social media manager, do it. Didn't she set up Liam and Robert's whole soldiers charity last season? That was like why they she brought did, her yeah. on board with yeah. Palace staff. Eleanor could have her own Willow because Willow is going to be busy very soon. Very busy. If um, Meghan Markle's schedule has been any indication. But they did do something immediately after introducing the idea that she wants to help people, good for her, that I was extremely appreciative of. Because I was lamenting this at the end of the last episode of Stage of Fools. I said, there is no reason why Jasper would cover for his father. Yeah. He should tell Eleanor immediately and not try to hide it. And I believed they would come up with a bullshit reason for him to hide the truth. <laughs> And they did not. He immediately tells Eleanor, that count is my fucking dad. And he's probably trying to con you. <laughs> not before and he almost injures himself to run out of the room to like to try and hide it from James Hill, though. James Hill comes in. He's like, oh, I'm just going to check out the count. And, and he like leaps up and he's like, oh, no, wait, I'll, I'll sort that. And then he's immediately like, ah, like regretting the jumping up soon. And I thought that's. I mean, I will say this about, you know, um, I can't remember the actor who plays uh, who plays Jasper. Um, but in this Tom episode, Austin. he does a lot of comedy stuff and it's yeah. all like pure gold, like the kind of, you know, it, like, like it's particularly cause, um, Eleanor's got her feet on him and he's like massaging her feet. And then when James Hill comes in, he goes, you're on the clock. And he immediately like drops her foot. <laughs> and it's like little tiny things like that, that, that I kind of, I kind of liked in this episode. He's always been great at the comedy stuff, which is why it's so frustrating when he gets broody. But he has often been broody before, and it sort of seems like in this episode, Eleanor is like, well, you've emotionally abused me so much in the past, now it's my turn. Because her reaction to the stuff with his dad, Zach and I were like, this is really unfair and inappropriate. Like, this guy verbally and emotionally abused him from young childhood, and, and Eleanor is like, oh, he's adorable, yeah. he's fucking my grandma, we have a girlfriend <laughs> in common, oh, isn't it cute? She's okay with him having, like, uh, you know, hitting up Dutchie, because one, Dutchie's broke, she's couch surfing, apparently. <laughs> And two, she deserves it. it because she is an attempted murderer. Fair enough, I yeah. guess. And I mean, then it's like, what is like, what is his crime other than deceiving Duchy? You know, I wouldn't hide it from Duchy, but honestly, as Eleanor, I don't know if I would go out of my way to reveal it to her either. Like, yeah. if it yeah. came up, I would tell her. <laughs> but she's kind of a huge asshole too. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I mean, I th the guy who, um, the guy who plays, uh, you know, 
Earl Frost. And this is weird, but like um, last week, uh, in the last episode, you mentioned Batman Begins. And you didn't realize, but in Batman Begins, this guy plays Joe Chill, who killed Batman's parents. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Is he a British or American actor? He's British. Yes, I knew it. I knew it. His American (laughs) accent is so bad. And Alexandra Park just gave up this season on her British accent. She was like, no, I'm Australian. Live with it. Yeah. Still love her, though. Um, Basically, uh, what follows is... Eleanor befriending and hanging out with Jasper's dad with or without him in spite of the fact that Jasper is clearly uncomfortable with it and the fact that she knows this was a really shitty childhood for him and she's forcing him to hang out with this source of so much life torment. They bond over being Eskimo siblings, if you know what I mean, because they don't, we don't see Mandy, which is kind of surprising because everyone comes back this season. But they mention like, oh, all three of us have slept with her. Ah, ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Yeah. And Jasper just has to stand there and kind of take it. (laughs) He just has to stand there silently while Eleanor is like pointing all this out. And he just, he like literally, he keeps trying to change the subject to move things on and kind of you know get things out of the way but Eleanor just came like really is kind of almost being a little bit cruel kind of like turning the screws on him to the Um, point where there's a scene where she's asking him about childhood stories about Jasper and he's like describing a scam he used to do with Jasper and she finds it adorable and Jasper comes in and he's like actually he has a button on it that was like actually that was a really traumatizing experience for me that I really was not fond of and they were both and they're both just like oh you're being so uptight about this childhood <laughs> crime that he instigated you in that was that was actually, that's actually a setup for the later scene where Eleanor takes it as inspiration because th- he tells him about Ding Dong Ditch and he's like we used to knock on people's doors and then run oh, right. away and then, and then actually and then, afterwards we would rob them blind. Yeah, if they weren't <laughs> yeah. there, then we would go in through the back and rob them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so they catch his dad trying to steal these heavy silver candlesticks. And he's like, <laughs> those could get a pretty penny down at the local pawn shop. And so Eleanor just leaves them on the doorstep of the old lady with a note like, bring to pawn shop for cat <laughs> surgery money. And the woman starts crying, staring up <laughs> in the heavens, going, oh, thank you, thank you, just sobbing instantly, like, now, such a level of emotion for the royals. Now who's callous about cat life? <laughs> no, it was not, it's not the fact that this lady is moved, it's the instantaneous bursting into huge sobs while staring and, like, practically reaching up at the sky, waiting for the angels to come down. My favorite aspect of the scene is that Eleanor is just hiding right around the corner, and when the woman is first moved to tears, the direction she starts yelling at is directly where Eleanor went, so I'm like, (laughs) can she see her just, like, standing behind the corner? But I guess not, because then she starts thanking God in the heavens. I mean, the the, light, the nice detail I liked about this was the fact that all over the place, wherever they shot this, they have these signs up that say no ball games. And uh, that's a sign that they're definitely shooting these scenes in England because those are all over the place. It is ridiculous. Nobody wants us to ever play any ball games anywhere in this country. <gasps> that's so funny. I had never thought of that before. But now I'm definitely going to look when I watch. Um, the only other thing I know about that is... There's a very tortured metaphor about unlocking secrets and Jasper's father has this bizarre speech about how like every man has a lock, but can we really protect ourselves (laughs) from each other? He's like, a lock is an illusion. I'm like, what? Anyway, he could pick all locks, I guess. It only takes a couple skills and then you can pick any lock. I'm like, okay. And Jasper continues the metaphor when he's gone. He's like, you know, he's trying to pick your lock, which was unfortunate phrasing. Yeah, Yeah, it was a real, like, Mallory Archer moment. I mean, um, you know, the thing that I did like about this storyline, first of all, was that dress with all the little squares on. Um, the little like silver squares. That, it's an optical know. illusion dress. Yeah. The cubes look so much deeper than they actually are. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was great. Um, but then also this th- this weird kind of twist where Jasper is the one being honest, and then by the end of the episode, Eleanor says that she's got um, she's going to go out with uh, her bodyguard and Rosie. 
and and yeah, and then <laughs> later on, Jasper sees Rosie in the in the uh, the new the, the new office. And with all the screens. And Rosie's like, well, I'm going off to have a nice long hot bath and do nothing else this evening. Yeah, I love it. She's like, bye. <laughs> yeah. And it's like unannounced. He just walks in and she's like, can you hear that? It's the sound of a hot bath calling me. I'm done. And it's uh, it's a great performance. I really, I really enjoyed it. And he sees... Rosie might get the medal for most improved if yeah. I were giving out awards for characters. Um, and he also sees, you know... Eleanor sneaking off in the security cameras. <laughs> and the next- With her disguise of baseball cap. <laughs> yeah. And the next morning she continues being like, oh, last night it was just me and Rosie. <laughs> Rosie and her. Because she doesn't want to tell Jasper about how she helped the person with the cat. No, I think she snuck out after the oh, okay. second time, right? Now she, yeah, she, she was, she was, she'd already helped the person with the cat during the day. And then she was going back out because she said something about, oh, I've got some plans to do more stuff, which obviously meant she's going to just basically work her way through all these letters, I guess, like at night, just helping people randomly by giving them stuff from the palace. I don't know. I don't know what her full term plan is for that. But I liked how she went out dressed head to toe in black, like right in the line of sight, like next to this white column. So it's like, well, on the Royals, a female spy outfit is like, leather mini skirt <laughs> turtleneck but it's completely see-through you know like the most conspicuous outfit you could possibly wear but it's black girl put it on uh and before you get to the main uh the meat the meat uh helena goes to a weird club and she has <sighs> sex with a man and she's very shocked <laughs> by sex no i mean she goes with her dominatrix rachel to like an eyes wide shut sex club and she brings, like, one of the masked sex guys home. And when she wakes up in the morning, she has the biggest shocked face. Like, what? I mean, the, the funniest thing is, on the previews for this episode, they mixed in, like, the 30 seconds that's in the club, they mixed that in with, like, three seconds of everything else and made it seem like this was going to be an episode based around this sex club. It was really in weird. In the summary for the episode, Zach and I noted that it ended with, like, Helena has adventures in searching for love. And we're like, nope, not at all. <laughs> the, sh- the most brief, this season, for the most part, our summaries at the beginning of the episode have been the Comcast summaries of the episode, except when they're inaccurate. Uh, we haven't recorded that yet, so I don't know if we'll use that line or not, but it's not super accurate. I think the person who writes the summaries for Comcast only watches the previously on and makes their own predictions <laughs> the way that we do. Impossible because he this summary for this one includes something that happens at the way late in the episode. Okay, that's true. Well, let's just dig into it because there's a lot of Robert stuff to unpack, both with his role in the kingdom, his romantic relationships, and a little bit of meddling in Helena's life uh, that is only worth noting because a man cries in a funny way. (laughs) I can't explain what happens with Robert. Someone else is going to have to explain the (laughs) Jedi mind trick that he does. How quickly is this is his big speech in this episode. Is it, like, right at the beginning? It's pretty early, right? It's like he's passing out water bottles to people affected by the blackout. He's like, this government has done nothing to help them. He's basically one step away from being DJT whipping paper towels into the crowd. Yeah, yeah, there's a table of water bottles. Like, the people could just grab them themselves, (laughs) but he is passing them out. He's thrusting them into their hands. Well, I mean, the the, the most important point you've skipped over is the fact that he already has the King Robert relief fund set up with a logo on the side of this truck and this is like literally hours after the blackout has finished and it's like in That's the background the and willow like, promise you yeah. know <laughs> but uh, yeah it's literally right after the titles as soon as the titles finish it's like straight onto king robert and then he's in the crowd and someone's like oh i think king robert's coming over to make a speech and it's like okay i mean <laughs> <laughs> the worst. That's all he does. there's a woman who's like a newscaster who's like king robert's about to make a speech and reports her saying it'll it be historic <laughs> yeah it could be historic because that's something that can be predicted yeah no that is my that's one of my favorite things in this episode is that people declare this speech historic before he's even said a single word yeah she's Um, in front of a green like a clearly a green screen of parliament they are right though the first speech though is the one that he gives just after handing out like three bottles of water and that has like some kind of chyron at the bottom that is then the headline of the youtube clip that willow then shows him and says 
It's got 42 million views in as many hours. And I'm like, (laughs) what? There are a million views per hour. I just have to say before we get into this, throughout the episode, Robert asked Willow for social media updates (laughs) that are basically how a normal person would check their phone. Like open app, open app. Open website. Oh, yeah. wow. She's she, amazing at social media. She literally tells them how many views, how many retweets. <laughs> She's Siri. This is like, what's that uh, Spike Jones movie where a guy falls in love with a robot? Her. Her. This is her now. <laughs> but she's like a living embodiment of her. The funniest thing is earlier in the season, when she would give him social media updates, she would print them out. And hand him printed copies of how many views stuff has got. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is this you're taking a step backwards. If you're printing out if you're printing out We don't have the money for him. an iPad rental in the production budget. I'm sorry. We've, it's not there. We've we've gone through this charade long enough. Dara Darren, I hope you're familiar with how the legal procedures of your country's democracy work, because we are not as familiar probably with you know, the ways and means of English uh, government. So Robert has a speech. And in this speech, he says, the blackout has proved that Parliament and the British government has failed the people. And so I am calling on something that says immediately, Parliament is dissolved and I'm the monarch again. And this does not require a vote. It does not require, not in Parliament, not in the House of Commons, not the House of Lords, not among the general populace. All it requires is for me, apparently by myself, to decide that this is a state of emergency and that government has failed, which I could have done at any time. Yeah, so it's basically like you're allowed to have a parliament because the king allows it. Go play with your toys. I can pick them up and throw them away anytime I want. And you know, the weirdest thing is, he is both completely right and also totally wrong. Because he says, due to our constitution, and we don't, we don't have a constitution. We don't, we don't need a constitution. Uh, We're not some baby country that's existed for 300 years. (laughs) We're a country that's existed for at least a couple of thousand. So there is no written constitution that would give him this powers. But there are a number of acts of parliament wherein the king is the person who decides who is prime minister. Which sounds weird, but... Uh, there have been occasions and this is even within the last hundred years where parliament has elected you know the the leader of the largest party is the prime minister in effect but there was there was a time i think the last time is at least a hundred years ago where the monarch actually said no that person's not the prime minister this person's the prime minister and they've actually chosen the prime minister and the prime minister is only serving because the monarch agrees so when when the, when an election finishes here, there is there's this there's a there's a, a short drive from Downing Street to to Buckingham Palace, and they have the meeting with the the Queen, and she accepts him as the Prime Minister, or she can reject him as the Prime Minister if she wishes. That's completely different than saying now there is no Prime Minister. Yeah, that the the powers of Parliament have been. Revo. Yeah, he, he can't do that. Consider yourself the fucking villain in Lethal Weapon 2 because your <laughs> shit got revoked. In the loop, not anymore. I mean, he, the thing the is... sick of it? Don't think so. He can, he, can, he can change the Prime Minister. That's something that is within the power of the, of the, the King and Queen. Which he does discuss with that guy who... who that's not really but, what he says he's doing. He no, says no, himself, he like, I have absolute power. He has restored England to a monarchy yeah. from a democracy. You're giving him a way too much credit, Darren. I love you. And this is why we had you on the show. We needed someone who actually knew their shit, which you obviously do. But this is like apples and oranges. Parliament dissolves because of royal assent. So technically he could he the queen at any point could just dissolve parliament tomorrow if she wanted but obviously no monarch would do that because everyone would be rioting on the streets because right we have so, representational democracy at some point another you know. riot. two things that I, I i i kind of want to uh discuss in regards to this real quick because this is the most important thing that happens in this episode yeah um, and in the series point- and in the show like the first episode literally had the other king saying I'm going to get rid of the monarchy. So this yeah. is the direct opposite of that. This is like 35 episodes of getting to the point where someone's like, I disagree so much with the previous king. 
I'm going to literally get rid of all democracy in this country. The why Cyrus didn't do this, I will I will never understand. He sh- clearly should have. Yeah. Um, would have. But uh, first, we have been asking it uh, and asking it for the last couple episodes. Why was this? There? Is why there was a bloodbath. <laughs> and we continue to ask ourselves, each other, and the cat that question until we watch this episode. <laughs> this is why there was... The blackout was functionally the Reichstag fire for King Robert. Yeah. It was a means for him to grab and consolidate power. Um, because the blackout just resulted in these like full-on purge riots. False flag. False flag. It was a true false flag operation. Which Cyrus Cyrus admires how he's done it as well. That's the best thing. That's the other thing. Yeah. The reaction to this among the people, among the rest of the palace, <laughs> among every character in the series, except, I would argue, Cyrus, is entirely inappropriate. Yeah, everyone seems like lightly amused by this, like, oh. Oh, Robert, you've bitten off more than you can chew. Whatever are we going to do now? Like, no one's mad. No one even really seems worried. Everyone's, like, giggling to themselves. There are no protests. The people do not no. protest, having their their right to choose their leader removed. Um, Cyrus is the only one who's like, oh, he just created a dictatorship. <laughs> I like it. Like he understands what happens, no one else does. Well, they 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 show everyone watching the speech around you know the plate. Well, first of all, Robert says to Willow, he's he's like, hang around, this is going to be good. You know, take a look at this, stand over there, watch me do this. And so she's literally to one side, watching like mouth agape at what is going on, but everyone else is watching it on TV, and Liz Hurley just gets to go. Holy shit. And then they and then they do a focus pull to Eleanor, who's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, what are you set? Like, that's that was the most out of character like they've ever had her. Because I was like, why yeah, would you you would Eleanor not was, celebrate this? She was pro abolishing the monarchy in the earlier season. Yeah. She was way more in line with her dad's thinking Did than she... her mom's. Get back! Did she find some of her season one drugs this episode and just take them all episode? That's long? why Jasper's dad was helping her unlock the chest. That giant chest was filled top or to bottom with the beginning of the drugs. episode when Jasper tried to open that drawer and she's like, "Not that one! A girl's gotta have some <laughs> secrets." Yeah, no, she was high when he was when he was telling her about his his dad. She like literally. Yeah, but she was blowing... high on weed. Yeah. Come on, Darren. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So you get you get this. You get Helena's holy shit, and then you get like um, Eleanor's celebrated and punching the air for some reason, and then you cut to Cyrus, who is literally only in this one location for practically the entire episode, wearing this one like um, like velvet jacket for the like the entire episode. No, no, no. You're doing it a disservice. I'm sorry. It's a full <laughs> mauve pink velvet suit that is extremely fitted like that actor is in good shape but this thing is like fitted to the bone i doubt he can even lift his arms yeah and it has like a brocade kimono pattern contrast collar and he's wearing an incredibly dandyish like pleated cravat with black and white hound's tooth on it with a flowered tie pin it is one of the best costumes the show has ever put together because it completely captures who Cyrus is and with the soft color and the flowers and everything it kind of paints him as the more sympathetic one versus Robert who is you know all clean cut law and order bringing down the hammer on him (laughs) and he's with Liam and they're both watching it and then Cyrus is just like the clever bastard and it's like (laughs) <laughs> i just I yeah he, he did he did the thing where he just said he was king again who could have thought of this clever strategy also i'm not another reason real quick why i'm not sure eleanor is punching the air she and robert have been on the outs lately like majorly because she knows that she doesn't know that robert may have attempted to assassinate jasper although we'll get to that later <laughs> in this episode because apparently ballistics can tell you intent who a bullet <laughs> was pointed where at where it was going uh, but no uh, but robert robert does she knows that robert he tried to does break them squeeze up. both their faces though he squeezes helena and helena's faces at the same time at one point in this episode and she does keep calling she does keep funny. calling him robbie as well yeah i mean eleanor is very loyal unlike her spineless idiot <laughs> brother liam or her spine full idiot brother robert yeah. uh but and, still and 
someone you mentioned that uh, Simon was very into abolishing the monarchy. That is something again only Cyrus notes and remembers out of all the yeah. characters. Nobody else. Only Cyrus brings up like he's just done the opposite of what your father wanted. <laughs> Even though I would argue that Liam and Eleanor were like obsessed with that for a while because it was kind of going to determine their whole life. Yeah, they, they were looking to become king or queen and then get rid of the monarchy, like put themselves out of a job. Yeah, anyway, we have to press on because just so much. So You would think so much would be happening on the political side of things, but it's not. It's no. all like Robert's personal this, life in the, conjunction with The only political this. thing that happens is the guy who was sleeping with Helenor, Helena shows up. Classic, <laughs> Helenor. And, Hashtag uh, Helenor. He's like talking to Robert and he's like, oh, you shucks, you shouldn't have done that. We liked being in Parliament. Yeah, you heard all our parliamentary (laughs) feelings. And Robert's like, oh, if you went quietly, I would make you prime minister when I brought back Parliament. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. And he's like, okay, sexual blackmail, family (laughs) tradition. Uh, I took pictures of you sleeping with my own mom. And I looked at them a lot because they were open on his computer just like, there when he was watching the blackout go out like he'd been savoring them so that guy resigns from the parliament that doesn't exist anymore because he had an affair (laughs) uh and he cries a lot during his (laughs) resignation see this is like the old lady it's not that crying like that would be inappropriate in real life it's just that for the royals it's a high level of like emotion that we usually don't get to so it feels very out of place even even if even for a resignation over an affair which by the way i'm not sure is a resignation worthy offense i mean it's not a crime people often keep their jobs after affairs but this man is crying a great deal for a political resignation love it i gotta say that's a smart move because there's no reason why he can't try and make a comeback later on i mean robbie says oh that was that that was their golden boy and it's like really that was their golden boy yeah he was the best mp and they say that if he says it was with the queen they'll say it was one of her lookalikes that's what they're on the payroll for once again master strategist Well, apparently lookalikes exist that are as good as identical twins. R.I.P. Cyrus's double. Yeah. So it's an in-universe thing. We'll have to say it's canon. Yeah. The person who's really the most taken with Robert's decision is Willow. And I have never been more disappointed in her as a character. Even when she was crushing on Liam, she never sunk to these depths. But she's like... Basically being the Sarah Huckabee Saunders out there being like, he cares about the people so much. This was such a good decision. You just don't understand yet that it's amazing (laughs) and it's great. She also, also, um, because we have the the girl who was uh, like the Helena 2.0 from last week, Cassandra. She's asking Willow like for advice, like, how do I get Robbie? Like, what do I do? What does he like? You know, tell me all the... And, and she keeps going, does she, you know, does he like sexy and dangerous or, you know, intelligent and dangerous or... And she keeps like... No, no, no. It's, it's always sexy and dangerous, sexy and intelligent. Sexy and intelligent. Yeah. yeah. Always sexy and... And she does something. this whilst wearing a sheer black top whilst walking around the palace. That's a royal signature move. Like, if a woman is wearing a shirt where the collar goes higher than her cleavage, make sure it's completely see-through. Like... The male gaze. Cause- she actually sends that phone to him via a uh, um, a lady-in-waiting. Yeah, well, I was happy that the ladies-in-waiting got to wear not, you know, sex worker-made yeah. costumes yeah. anymore. I, I was very happy to see that under Robert, they can wear professional clothes. I felt they still looked like extras from the Nutcracker, but it was a step <laughs> up from legit. I was, like, passionately defending these costumes to Zach just because they finally get to be covered up instead of, yeah, like, well, dressing like prostitutes. Aside from that scene with Cassandra where she has a picture on her phone of her in her lingerie, and then in a second location, she <laughs> is in the same, the same spot set, but it's in like the same lingerie. A bra, underwear, garters, stockings, heels, like, the full nine yards. And she's completely alone and they're not video chatting and it seems like that's not part of the plan either and just the whole like they were doing full body shots of this actress walking around well she's just on the phone it could not have felt more male gazy and, and knowing what we know about mark schwann shannon was looking away at the beginning of the sex club scene but there is probably 30 to 40 seconds of like just like other 
like boobs yeah, there was and like, asses there was before you find in underwear in that. I thought it was a preview of some promo for but something the, else. Because it was right after. What the I think she's done is she's dressed like that, took the photograph of herself, put it onto this phone, then sent it with the lady in waiting to him like straight right. away. Who was maybe in the room? Instantaneously. Yeah. Like was the lady? The did palace. the lady take the picture? I don't know. For it's a her? pretty good shot. So possibly, yeah. I don't know that you could get that with like arm's length or a selfie stick or something. I mean, yeah. I don't think she was holding her arm out in the picture. Somebody took that picture for her. It's immaterial. She's very condescending to Willem. Is like you can be one of my ladies in waiting when I'm leaving. <laughs> and obviously, like. There's no dramatic tension. Well, we all know yeah. exactly what in the fact, score is. When he is having the conversation with her in her lingerie and she is making all of her sexual innuendos about blowing things and what have you, <laughs> Willow is on the TV at the same time being like, Robert's the greatest man who's ever lived. He saved Tiny Tim. And he, she doesn't say I that. I mean, I had whatever. a question about this, which is, and, um, what is this? Like... Who is holding this press conference? Why is it on television? And why is the the social media yeah. manager in charge of giving? Not a only statement? that, but like throughout the rest of the episode, whenever anyone's been on TV, there's always been some kind of Chiron identifying where it's from, like which station is showing it. This has no Chiron. It's just almost as if it's like an internal feed that's just going straight to Robert. It's really Close weird. Closed circuit TV. Yeah. Uh, there's a term on Unreal, which is a show that kind of is like a dark satire of the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise. And on Unreal, they talk about a certain contestant each season being the wifey. Yeah. The wifey is like the woman who the Bachelor's going to marry because she's like, you know, the type of girl you settle down with. She's usually not that sex sexually out there. She's like the sort of girl you'd bring home to mom and dad. Willow is completely the wifey now in a way that Catherine was before. Willow used to be allowed to have a personality. No longer. She is now the wifey. Well, regardless, I want to finish with this relatively short scene because uh, while Willow... Had to put it out there. While Willow is talking and Robert's watching her, but also talking to lingerie Cassandra, he's like, I'm sorry we had to reschedule our date. We should have canceled because Ooh. clearly I'm in Willow who's talking me up on, on television. And there's a shot a little bit later of Cassandra watching the TV like fucking Patrick Bateman picking his next victim ready to kill Willow. Yeah, she's in the end montage. In fact, the end montage is a lot of like side characters and small characters. It's really weird. The end yeah. montage really focuses on other stuff than the main characters. They do such an extreme zoom on her face that not even her whole head is in it when they're like watching her scheme. It's just like her eyes, nose and mouth being like, girl, I'll get you my pretty. Uh, the thing is as well though, it's like, obviously, yeah, I mean, that was a great line where he's like, instead of postponing, we should have canceled it. <laughs> he just hangs up the phone and just like drops it off screen. Um, but the the weirdest thing is um, Willow only gives this like positive press conference thing after they've already kissed and after Robert has already said, I, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have made a list. I was doing things the old way. And he's like, I should have just like, you know, it should have just been you. And and he kind of and then then she goes on TV and is like, oh, yeah, Robert's great. And everything. And it's like <laughs> if she'd have done that before they kissed, I like after they kissed, it seems like he's kissed her. And now that's why she's. Like defending yeah. him. They kiss when the power outage ends, but kind of doesn't. It's confusing. I feel like they've had a lot of false start first kisses. I can't keep track anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they kiss because <laughs> Robert doesn't want to talk to the president of the United States. He's like, if it's important, he'll call back. <laughs> well, the president can wait. <laughs> I mean, I also would not want to talk to the president of the United States. We're so. not sh well, is he Donald Trump in this universe? They have not established. But last season, there was a reference from Cyrus to he Hillary ran. Clinton and Donald Trump. Yeah, they were running. At and that point. I think they refer to the president as a he in this episode, yeah. which implies if it's important, if it's important, he'll call back. But they, but he also like blows off every other world leader. They keep mentioning like, oh, the you know the prime minister of this one's called the Kremlin. The Kremlin's on the yeah. line, yeah. And and he's like, oh yeah, just. And I think that's uh, it's like that's obviously like a visible power play for Willow's benefit of like, yeah, I'm not going to take these calls. I've got to talk to you. Um, yeah, you're more important to me than anything. So he proposes to her. I don't really see the point in beating around the bush. Yeah, that's kind of the. I think we've gotten the gist of the Willow Roberts stuff. Yeah, yeah I can't bear it anymore. Um, so we close out with, um, after after telling Liam to go for Catherine, Liam 
starts like goes back and hangs out with Cyrus one last time. And he's like, he led me astray. He never, <laughs> he, he gives this very big impassioned speech where he was like, no, Robert taking power from the people is fine, and he never <laughs> killed my father, and he's a good person, and I was being paranoid, and I was the bad guy, all while Robert is conveniently outside the still bullet hole-ridden door. Yeah, which still has a huge, like, face-sized hole in it. He's just standing there while they list out their entire conspiracy. <laughs> and Cyrus is like, you may be giving up on this power play, but I'm still gonna bring him down. Yeah, and then, of course, and then Robert, Robert is like, that's treason! Treason! I've got ya! <laughs> he didn't need to even say it. He could have just said to everybody else he he said something treasonous. Like, you know, he's just literally well, taken control of the country. He doesn't need, you know, actual motive. Now, he, now that he's the sole monarch of Britain, he has the power to exile people from the country. <laughs> which is what he proceeds to do to Cyrus. Yeah. Cyrus brings one small box, like the type of box you take when you're cleaning out your office after working in a firm for a couple they, of years. They imply that Robert gave him limited time and allowed him to take nothing that was paid for by the people. Which is why I think which I'm he guessing is like small... everything. Like I'm guessing all of his clothes came out of like a spending budget or something. So yeah, I mean he was born into royalty. It's not even like he married into royalty. He is a blood, you know, member of the bloodline. So I don't know, but he's in Venezuela as the international clocks behind him seem to reveal. Yeah, as a political refugee. No, no, he's not in Venice. He's not in Venezuela. He's in the embassy for Venezuela. Yeah, okay. Okay. So he's, he's, but he has, he has turned to the nation of Venezuela for political asylum. Because it's I, basically he's pulled a Julian Assange. He's just walked embassy. into like the nearest. That makes sense. Like yeah. embassy. That's why they've got the London and Venezuela clocks. What is there to say that we haven't already tried to wrap our heads around? I think Robert and the show have both bit off a little more than they can chew. But I'm glad that it feels like this season, even though this episode did drag for me because there was so much relationship talk, at least it feels like this season things are happening. Yeah, previous seasons, a lot of times nothing would happen for eight episodes and then everything would happen in the last two. This is a major <laughs> bombshell development that no one treated like a bombshell development, but is nevertheless one of the most important things that's ever happened on this show. An historic development. I, I mean, you've missed the last few seconds. The last few seconds of the episode is James Hill oh, right. um, meeting with with Jasper and saying, we've got the ballistics. He says, we've got the ballistics. <laughs> the bullet was Somehow meant for from you. the ballistics on this bullet, the only thing I could theorize is that whoever fired this bullet literally wrote Jasper's name on it <laughs> because they have to... They have determined <laughs> that would be great. the bullet that would be great. was not meant for Robert. <laughs> not that it was aimed poorly. No. Not that anything else. Like, either it had Jasper's name on it, or it had, like, a special coating that would not break through the skin of a monarch. <laughs> they might try to spin this into this is, like, the thing that turns the public against Robert and brings him down, but I wish that they wouldn't. I think it would be more interesting if... No one had ever, the public at large had never found out that Robert had tried to assassinate Jasper. Because if it yeah. comes out that he did pay to have King Simon killed, it'll be, you know, that much bigger of a bombshell if that thing hasn't come out first. I hope that Jasper and James Hill lead the charge at creating a coalition from inside the palace without letting the, the news spill to the public. And even eventually perhaps... Cyrus from the Venezuelan embassy. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to kick Cyrus off the show, especially, I mean, a few episodes from the end. In the earlier seasons, we used to worry about him. We used to worry about that whole cancer plot line. But, you know, I feel like uh, no, I think, I think we we'll have see not seen the last of him. Yeah, I think, I think the idea of him stuck inside an embassy not being able to be royal will probably be quite funny. Okay, so we're going to let Darren go first since he's our esteemed guest. What was your favorite moment or image from this episode? I think it would have to be uh, James Hill sticking his head through the door to tell to tell Liam that they found a body. And he's, he's great. like, you've just got this bullet hole and then you just have his his face is just like, um, Liam. <laughs> it's great. Um, They've gotten great. You said that bullet hole. Yeah. And then and then as soon as he comes in, Cyrus just starts insulting him. 
um, uh, like straight to his face. He's like, oh, it's you, you little tiny leprechaun man. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why he's like, why does he need to feel the need to unleash on on James Hill? I don't know. But that was just a really funny moment for me because I was just like, you know, that like the, the fact that they didn't repair the door has had like over the course of the few episodes, it's had like so many different like uses. Um, so it was nice to see them kind of get at least one funny kind of moment out of it. James Hill is always underutilized, I feel. Ho- he really is like a stealth comedic tool. Hopefully he'll have more to do now that he knows that the bullet was meant for Jasper, thanks to the ballistics. I guess I'll go with, uh, I mean, it is hard not to pick the moment of the episode because it was the most jaw-dropping thing I've seen in a while on this show because it's so patently absurd. Um, but... Just for the sake of variety, and because I feel like that one almost goes without saying, uh, I will go with a tie between the MP crying and the woman whose only characteristic is that she has a cat crying. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say either the MP crying or the reporter saying that it was a historic moment before it had happened. I mean, this episode did not do it for me. Like, last episode, I feel like there were some legitimately solid moments, even with the blackout ridiculousness. Yeah. I legitimately liked the girls having their adventure in the tunnels. This episode, obviously, my favorite moments are comedic moments because, yeah, it's just one of those, like, this is so absurd, I can't believe it's happening (laughs) kind of episodes. I think that the... The point where he takes over power from Parliament is such a moment, but it's it's plot important. A lot of times in the past, the moments where you're just like, "What is happening?" and you you spend several minutes being like, "That can't just have happened," like the gong or Cyrus's body double killing himself. Usually, they're very unimportant things. This was an extremely important thing that happened in a weird place in the episode, like a third of the way through, not even the end, where you would think this climactic event would occur. <laughs> A third of the way through. Just toss it in. I would say this. In terms of like its placement, if you think about who the target audience is, which is at this point mostly Jelena's shippers. True. You finish with the you finish with the Jasper bombshell. That's that's that brings they them care back more about rather than Jasper than democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, that's it. They, they care about proved. his living, living and dying. The girls are allowed to care about stuff, but yeah, it does feel <laughs> that the show is like shh, 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 shh look away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll see where this goes next week. If nothing else, I'd say I am am looking forward to the next episode, if only to be like, all right, you have these balls in the air, now let's see what you do with them. The end of this episode, they've left it in good, a good place where next week they can kind of pick up and, you know, do stuff. Well, speaking of leaving it in a good place and picking it up next week so we can do stuff... I think we'll wrap it up here. Darren, thank you so much for joining us. We would have been even more lost than we still are without you. (laughs) Uh, It was my pleasure to be once more a guest. Once more, a fool upon our stage. I got no reaction from Zach when I said that for the first time. And I was looking for something. (laughs) I guess that's going to do it for us. That's pretty much what I expected. All right. uh, That was Darren Husted. This has been Shannon Camp. Coming up next, Brad Paisley. What is this? Like, um, okay. Okay, bye everyone. Or you can stay and listen to my boyfriend mock me. All right, okay. (laughs) Goodbye, people.